G'day legends, I hope that you're having a great day. Now today's interview is with Dave. Now that is not his real name, but Dave is responsible for maybe the most Australian clip to come out of this war, and a clip that has gone viral. Again, I'd like to thank you guys for being here and supporting the podcast. This is also available on Spotify under the same name as here, if that's the way you'd like to listen. But I'd like to thank Dave very much for coming on and sharing his story with me. Enjoy. <coughs> g'day, g'day. Hey, mate. How are you? Hey, not too bad, mate, yourself. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty well. I was, I'm bloody, this came up absolutely last minute, but I'm stoked to do it, man. Yeah, sorry, I'm hoping it's not um, fucking with any of your schedules or anything like that. No, mate, to be honest, you've actually really helped me out because you've sort of cleared my schedule tomorrow if I can record, film this all tonight, and then tomorrow I get, like, I can just edit and get half the day off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go, you're welcome. (laughs) Fucking hell, how are you, man? You doing well? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm doing all right, eh? Fucking, I'm just taking it. One day at a time, really. That's all I can do, I suppose. Awesome, man. Now, um, I've started recording, but um, you, we can just go from here if you like. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so look, we're going to hide your identity, um, and we're just going to go as the most stock standard name ever as Dave. Um, doesn't sound <laughs> as doesn't sound that as proficient as as yourself is. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Dave's fine by me. Uh, well, you you and I have actually been in touch. From well before this war, um, when I when I looked back through our conversation on social media, it was actually mm. you were following me from like when I was doing like chemotherapy like years ago. Oh yeah, man! Like you, you're not exactly um, you're not exactly unknown within the the military. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that might not be a good thing. I don't fly under the radar, but like, yeah, so I was like, oh <laughs> fucking hell, like, like yeah, it's small world, man. Yeah, but I was um. I was ex-military anyway, so like, always had mates who had mates with you and whatnot, and I was just sort of following your journey, man. I'm just glad you're still with us, mate. Mate, I'm I'm fucking glad I'm here too. Otherwise, I wouldn't be wouldn't be talking shit with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when did your military journey, like pre-Ukraine, when did that start? And can you tell us about some of your experience there? Uh, yeah, so um, I enlisted in 2015 into the army, and um, I spent about seven, yeah, seven years in the well, infantry, well, in the army as a whole, in the in, in the infantry. I was over in three RER uh, as well, all up until uh, last year where I discharged. Awesome. And did you discharge specifically to go to Ukraine? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh shit! Um, <clears throat> saw the war kicked off, and you know, being in the you know military as well, you sort of hoping to go do your job but never really happened and I saw once this happened I sort of took that whole year to prepare my life for back back home sort out my things and then come here really yeah and and what did your mates in the military think of that um I kept it pretty like down low uh a few like my I I told my good mates there um portion of my family at the time <clears throat> and they were a little supportive man they'll help me out fucking give me kit that i needed um trained me on you know weapon systems i was expecting or thought thought i would be using over here like there were bloody sports about it uh, i didn't tell like any of my chain of command or anyone who i thought would uh sort of hinder the process because at the time i didn't yeah, you know, I wasn't sure on Australia's laws and if I was going to be, you know, fucking arrested or just prevented or halted, not halted, I stalled from coming over here. So I kept it as down low as I could with, but also uh, not so much to keep my mates in the loop. So, you know, I wanted them to, you know, I wanted them to know what I'm doing and sort of not have them fucking lose contact with me than just fucking over the news some dead Aussies over in Eastern Europe. <clears throat> Oh mate, that's that's like everything, isn't it? Keep your chain of command out of the loop and um, keep you yeah. and the boys in it. <laughs> yeah, if I know, that's what it's all about. It's a bit drinking beers or going to Ukraine, it's all the same deal, isn't it? Pardon, sorry, sorry the internet's oh, uh, sorry. quite shorty. You might break out every now and then. No, you're right. I so said if it's either drinking beers or going to Ukraine, you know, chain of command out of the loop yes. and the boys in it. Mate, there's one or, one or the other. There's no in between. Oh, fucking a, fucking a. Well, Aussie, Aussie, <laughs> mate, it's full tilt, full time, isn't it? 
<laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't heard, I haven't heard or said that for a while. So, so what was it about that uh, over the over the last year that you saw when you were like, yep, yeah, fuck this, I'm going to pull the pin on a career here and I'm going to go and help out? What Was there any defining moments that got you? Um, like spending so long in the military or so long for me at least I was um I was a full track for about three three years by the time I discharged and um you know you just get sort of sick of the little things as well it's the little things that add up in the military we, we both know that sort of gets here eventually and I was starting to as well before I made the decision um the war in Ukraine sort of just kicked me in the ass and gave me a actual solid path to go to um, <clears throat> and I was sort of growing this disdain for the military and starting to hate it like you know, like most people sort of do at the end of their contract or the end of their career and I like I just I, I love the military I love the infantry and I didn't want to sort of I didn't want to hate it so I was already sort of looking for a way out but I had revolved my life around the military and wanting wanting to be there for so long so I was kind of in a you know a bit of a crisis trying to decide what I want to do like for 90% of grunts it's like go to go to the cops or you know maybe go to the mines or something but I just I just didn't it just didn't still feel right it's like it's not something I something I could do but not something I necessarily wanted to do and <clears throat> and when the war kicked off and then they were asking for volunteers that's sort of I just sort of had a bit of a think to myself and thought, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. I actually know now without a shadow of a doubt that I want to come here and do it. So I started the process and um, I just came here. I initially I initially was going to um, leave, go AWOL um, at the start because I was like, oh shit, oh shit, it's all happening. But I came to my senses and realised, hey, don't be a... Like, don't be a fucking idiot. Um, I want to come back to Australia one day, not be arrested. So I put all my, sorted all my um, admin, made sure that I left on the sort of, you know, most appropriate note possible. And and then I uh, left and came here. Yeah, I think you bring up some, like, very interesting bits in that that a lot of guys from any military around the world can, I guess, relate to, that you and I got in about the same time. Um, into that military, mm. that mid sort of um, 2010s when, you know, Afghan ended, well, the, the real um, combat tours ended in, you know, 12 or 14 and yeah. we sort of entered peacetime army and you do that, you would have done, what, um, seven years, but those three years is a full track and there's a, a full track, sorry for anyone listening, um, is a corporal, so you're in charge of um, seven other um, soldiers and your own little section um, and you're sort of like... It's like playing. It's like training for football, but just sitting on the bench. I guess when yeah. when the game comes around. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. But that's the period. Is it's I got out at uh, well, maybe six and a half or seven years, whatever it was, and a lot of guys tend to get that sort of cold feet. I guess at that time of like, hey, is this going to be my career, or what are my other choices? Like you and I as grunts, like mm. if, what the fuck do we do? Do we go work some shitty security job? Or mines, <laughs> it's good money in the mines, but is it is it going to really tickle that sense? Do you go private contracting? There's not as much as there used to be. So I think you bring up a lot that uh, people will will really relate to. But I'm very glad you got out correctly because <laughs> that AWOL is not what you want to come home to. <laughs> yeah, no, def- definitely not. No, no I didn't want to go. Uh, yeah, because I've, I've got family back home and I'd love to see them again. And, you know, doing that from behind a glass wall in a prison through a phone or however it is uh isn't the ideal uh way to do it i believe <laughs> no no and and well it would have made the podcast a lot better the title like AWOL soldier fights in ukraine would be significantly <laughs> better so you've fucking you've gone jack on myself but <laughs> <laughs> sorry mate i had to do it <laughs> no you're, you're fucking right so so what was your like have you been to like eastern europe before uh no so i've been to um I've done the old. Uh, Did you just drag on a vape? Tools. <laughs> oh, pardon? Did you just drag on a vape? Oh yeah. I could hear it. I, I could mean, hear. Just it. be happy. Be, <laughs> are they? Be are they? I don't smoke. Fuck. Are they the, the Ukrainian elf bars? 
Is that what everyone has over there? Uh, oh, about 90% of people do. I've got a vowel at the moment, oh. a banana ice. It's not too bad, I'll be honest. Fuck yeah. Well, if, if, if soldiering doesn't kill you, mate, that, that, will, <laughs> that will in the future. Mate, oh, <laughs> mate I'll... I'll I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Dave, I think. Fair. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Um, so you'd you'd been no, to somewhere before? Sorry. Yeah, the old RCBs. May did a couple of those fucking in my time. Yep. So, no, I mean yeah. that was like within the military. That was it. Um, I've been to like Japan on like Christmas Eve and whatnot, but this was my first time in actual like you know proper Europe. Uh, I actually I flew into. So I flew into Switzerland to link up with a mate of mine, um, and he bloody road trips me um, through Italy and then straight east all the way through like Serbia, and then um, my destination was Bulgaria um, because at the time I was <clears throat> slated to go in with a training team, a uh, train advisor and assist, and that was led by some bloody British bloke. And he had a team of like six or seven other foreigners because I was uh, originally going to join a Mozart group. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Yeah, I have. But can you just explain it to the the listeners what exactly that is? Okay, so Mozart group, when it was a thing, um, was sort of this training, uh, was it training and supply organization? uh, And they had this sort of element that nobody really talked about, which was uh, a direct sort of com- competitor, I guess you could call it, to Wagner Group. And they weren't advertised within their company at all, but they were there to sort of train the Ukrainians and then f- deploy and fight with them. And that was what I was trying to go off and do, right? And since then, you know, Andy Milburn, Noise Glory, um, he, you know, sort of ran the company into the ground essentially and it just went bust and from there um only f- once i got to bulgaria i got told by that bloke there hey my soccer is no longer a thing but we're still doing this train advice assist role because we still have supporters and donors so you're still like on like got the green to do that so i'm like yeah okay sweet that's that's you know count my blessings so went to bulgaria did some like they called it pre-deployment prep, but all it was really was to show my competence with a, an AK and a Glock. And, you know, the only time I ever fought an AK before was, well, never. And, you know, in my infinite wisdom and all the video games I played, it wasn't hard to, you know, just pick up one and shoot it. So it, they were simply built weapons. So simpleton like me could fucking definitely use one. Um, and then I caught a bus to Kiev from Bulgaria. And that was a... Uh, that was a journey in itself because I had to, I had all this military kit with me uh, and I had no issues until I got to the Moldovan border where it was just a, you know, just a, a strip of land from Romania through Moldova to Ukraine. It's like oh, 200 meters maybe. I could, I could see the next border crossing from there. And the bloody Moldovan stopped me, pulled me off the bus. This is in the middle of winter as well. Um, exploded all my gear and told me, hey, no one on this bus is allowed to come through this checkpoint now because of this gear. You have to go back. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, shit, righto. I've, uh, I've sort of put myself in a bit of a pickle here. And apparently for the bus company, if one person sort of causes dramas for them, they're, you know, they're told just to leave them somewhere and continue forward. But thankfully, I had this lovely lady who's with an NGO called Project Hope on the bus with me and she spoke very good English um, and she sort of convinced the bus drivers, hey, don't do that. Um, but as well as what I think helped was, you know, I had all my kit exploded on the you know, search table. Sorry, one minute. Yo. Sorry, one minute, mate. You're right, man. I'll, I'll take whoever needs to go. It's fine. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Oh, you're good. You're good. I'm in the I'm in the chow hall right now. Please excuse any interruptions. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, yeah, all my gear exploded. I think like the people on the bus were just looking at what the fuck was going on. And I think that you know they put sort of two and two together. Hey, this foreigner is over here with military gear going to Ukraine. He's probably coming here to to you know volunteer and fight. So 
the uh, lady with the NGO said that, yeah, like, you know, two or three people are upset, but everyone else understands. So we had to then, the bus turned around, we caught these two ferries um, across this river and then we entered Ukraine. Um, what was meant to be a 32-hour bus ride turned into like 40-something hours just because we had a lot of waiting as well. So uh, I was pretty stressed during that journey as well because I still had my Telstra SIM card. I wasn't going to get one until I got to Ukraine, like a Ukrainian one, so I got into country and my internet was like on roaming the whole time and it was cutting in and out every time I entered into uh, across a border. It'd have to change the roaming countries. And just at that point, in Moldova, like at the Moldovan border, it had stopped working. So I thought if I get dropped off here, I've got to essentially go into hardcore survival mode and just survive the cold. And I had these big, I had this big black roller, bla- uh, roller bag, um, my pack, and this third backpack as well. So it wasn't a light trip, whatever trek I was going to have to make. But thank God um, it sort of went in my favor. Fucking oh. Sorry, I got up in a bit of a tangent there, sorry. <laughs> no, no, mate, no, that that's completely fine. Trust me, I'm the fucking king of tangents. So so once you <laughs> entered, did you go into that training like train advisor assist role now that that group had um, somewhat been dismantled? <clears throat> um, so I got into Kiev. Uh, I started looking for an apartment sort of straight away because I had all this gear that I need I needed a place to to store it all and I my first priority was to find that apartment. I did stored my stuff there then I think I was in Kiev for maybe about a week until I met up with the blokes and then we um road trips down to Dnipro and then linked up with a I think a Ukrainian sort of recruit base it was somewhere there and then we sort of started started the long process of trying to get contracts and that was probably one of the most front like that's when I learned that things do not move smoothly in Ukraine when it comes to paperwork. <laughs> and that's putting it very lightly. Um, we were waiting. I think I think I was with that training team for uh, maybe – I got to Ukraine February 23rd. Uh, and I think I was – I think I was with the training team for like a month, a month and a bit. Huh. And <clears throat> we did some training – of the Yukis uh, on on the base, we we travelled further east at one point and trained some uh, a TDF battalion as well. Um, but that whole time, we're under the promise from contracts, like you know they're coming, we're getting them. Um, I wasn't being paid this whole time. The bloke running the team was like, "Yeah, pay pay's coming. I'm trying, I'm trying." And it was meant to be like something like something godlike like 15 12 to 15,000 USD a month and I was like well shit I'll I'll stay for the ride if I have to you've, you've twisted my arm um and it just everything just sort of eventually fell apart because um it wasn't even us in the team who decided to leave it was the team leader and one of his mates sort of just like hey we're going to go to first battalion of the international legion you guys can come if you want we're just like uh, uh, all right um, sure, uh, I don't really want to do that, so I'm just not going to go with you. Because <laughs> at the time, 1st Battalion of the Legion, like, they didn't do what I wanted to do. They just pretty much sat in trenches in OPs, um, taking artillery, and the team lead got this offer cause, uh, to go to some recon company, but we had an interview I used interview loosely with this the recon platoon command at the time, and it was in a car park of some supermarket, and didn't really give the f- very good impressions. And we were just sort of met with lies and prompt empty promises of how hey, you'll get this, blah blah blah. And you know, we we sort of the rest of the group sort of um, sort of saw past that and didn't really want to have a bar of it. So those of us who didn't go with the blokes that went to it. Chilled in Dnipro in these houses that these, um, you know, Ukrainian volunteers to helped us, helped us with. Um, so we, till we decided what to do, and uh, eventually, an offer for the second battalion of the International Legion came up. Um, so that's when I, that was my next sort of approach, and I went there just with two of us, <clears throat> and then I spent. 
a bit of time there, but like you know, like my military, it was a lot of training, but not a lot of you know doing the job. And I was there for maybe I think two months, and then I left that, and then a big group of us left that, and then I'm now part of a Ukrainian unit under under a company named Chosen Company, and that's where I am now. Right, and what's the difference with where you are now? Well, we're actually doing um, exactly what I want. We're in a salt company uh, attached to this Ukrainian unit, and we go out on ops, um, whether it's attacking trenches or attacking you know, urban um, urban complexes or villages or whatnot. This is this is this direct action stuff. Like it's exactly to a T of what I wanted to do in the army when I was enlisted. Yeah. So I'm actually doing what I came here to do and it's the best shit I could ever fucking hope for. I'm with like boys that I I love dearly and couldn't imagine doing it with anyone else. So it's it it's fucking it's what I want and that's that's what I care about. Mm. Fucking oath. And can you sort of run us through when you first were sort of, I guess, baptised by fire in that unit? Like, when did you first really get in the shit? And could you talk us through that? Oh, so <clears throat> it was, uh, it was, a f- I think I've been with these guys for just over a month now. Um, my first op was providing, so it was, our ops for a while have been sort of uh, quite mixed. Um, I'm a team lead now, I guess, a seco. Uh, and um, at the time, you know, we would be switching. The teams would be quite small. We wouldn't involve the whole company in these in these like tasks because it was too large of a footprint to add to those Ukrainian positions, and it was just really no sort of need. So every every op we've done, I've been a part of so far. So that first one, it was a small team, two teams of about five each um and our task was to provide flank security for a yuki uh, assault on a russian position and in that one we got infilled into the position waited there overnight um and essentially provided the security for that that assault for the yukis and i wasn't really necessarily shot at um but we took a lot of idf um as well in that time and then once the assault was done, we would uh, exfil and uh, get taken back to our base. So it wasn't that was my first combat experience, but it wasn't quite you know, um, you know, fucking seeing anyone shooting anyone. Mm. It was just sort of being there to make sure that the Russians, if they were going to, you know, play silly buggers and try and hit them from the sides or something, we'd be there to stop that and kill them before they did. Yeah. And when was it where you first got in that, like a a contact, you know, shootout with with the Russians? Um, God, well, so to this date, I still have not seen uh, a live Russian soldier. Right. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true when they say, um, you know, you rarely see the enemy. Uh, it's so. I, I thought it would be easier than that, but it's just not there. They're concealed. They're the positions we hit. Um, you know, mostly you know, Russians in defence, so they're already dug in, or you know have def- built up defences in whatever buildings they're in, and you rarely see the actual people firing. You're always taking cover from IDF or you know from the PKM down the road, so it's hard to put yourself in a sort of position where you, before manoeuvring up close enough to actually see who you're firing at. So. I fired at I've fired at plenty of um things I've thought Russians would be and where they would go and have provided suppressive fire and covering fire, but um I still have not seen uh, a live Russian. Seen plenty of dead ones, but uh yeah, no no living breathing bloke so far. Mm. And when you say you've seen, you know, plenty of dead guys, how do you feel um towards the Russian soldiers? Like, is there a, like, is it when they're a living, you know, breathing human that it's like, that's the enemy, whatever, and when you, you know, walk past death, it's like, well, you know, the threat has been neutralised and I have some level of empathy for just a human. How do you feel about that as a, as a warrior in, you know, your situation? So, <clears throat> I've never, it's hard to f- 
for me to feel this, you know, hate towards the Russians like the Ukrainians do, understandably. It's not my homeland being invaded. It's not my family being indiscriminately bombed despite being, you know, hundreds of kilometres from the front line, having nothing to do with the conflict. So it's hard for me to, you know, hate these guys. Um, and I've, I sort of, you know, you hear all the stories of like, and, and all these war crimes from the Russian soldiers, but it still hasn't, I guess, consumed me in a sense. Like, I don't, I don't, ha I have, I happily see one, shoot one, given the opportunity when it comes. But I, how do I explain this? I have respect for them in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm a soldier and they're a soldier as well. And, you know, they're just doing the exact same thing I am, whether it's on the, you know, enemy, whether the, whether the, the bad guys or not, I just see it as a soldier's a soldier. Like, I don't, I don't, when I cross walk by a dead body, I don't really, honestly, don't really think of anything except that they smell bad because <laughs> the bodies have been there for quite a little bit of time. Um, but it's, I don't know, I, there's nothing for me to really think when I see these bodies because they're just blokes who's, I guess tried to tried to fight and died doing it, which is everywhere here. Um, I guess I, I hope that answers your question. Sorry, it's hard to hard to put into words, I suppose. But I just I guess it's just respect I have, despite all the bad things you hear. I still I'm still not inclined to commit like any war crimes and execute prisoners. It's just it's just not who I am really, and I've carried that I carried a lot of values over from the Australian Army over to here, which I'm I'm personally proud of. I don't want to sort of lose myself in a way, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's when, like you said, I think people can lose themselves in that, um, and that's when you, you when you really start having some problems. Um, yeah. You, you speak, and I think you articulated that um, very well, sort of warriors being warriors and on the other side of, you know, a war. Um, and I've, I've said to people that guys like you and I, if we were born somewhere in Russia and this was happening and we've had the propaganda fed to us and blah, 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 whatever. Guys like you and I, probably, particularly yourself, you know, I'm not in the military anymore, but would probably be in the bloody little green man uniform as well. Like there's a there's a uh, lot of yeah. that. I was with a guy only on the weekend. Um, I won't say his name on here, but you and I both both know him. He was like, man, if, if you and I were born in Afghan, we're the sort of guys that would also be in the Taliban. <laughs> and I was like, Fuck, I, when you think of it like that, you're like, oh, shit, there is a level of, like, geography, if that makes sense. Like, we're, of course, doing the wrong thing, and we've seen a lot of that is personal choice. But, yeah, it's hard to articulate that, I think. But I think you did really well. Better than I. No, uh, you, you, you did right. Um, if, if, I was, if I was born Russian, I would be in the Russian military without, without a shadow of a doubt. It's just, it's just it's the, the combat and the, the combat and doing this sort of, thing is is what i want so mm. yeah it's you know obviously no disrespect to ukrainians at all um i'm happy to, I'll, this is where i want to be i want to fight with these guys and help them because although i want to be here although i did come here to you know get the combat and get the experience as well you know it's also another blessing to be able to help these people because despite all the you know the reports of corruption and, and right-wing fanatics here like you I just don't, I just don't see it here as well. Like these are people, soldiers who are just fighting, trying to push this invader out of their bloody homeland because, because Putin thinks they're all Nazis and declared this special operation that he thinks is just like, just, I just want them to fuck off. But, and at the same time I get to, you know, get the experience that I've desired for the past seven years of my career. Yeah. And you mentioned in that, you know, um, war crimes of you know, going through the trench systems, like the Russian systems, and, you know, um, you hear the stories of some terrible um, crimes, and I'll go further and say crimes against humanity. Um, yep. Have you seen much evidence of that in your experience? No, I haven't. As far as I'm aware, what I've seen, I haven't haven't seen any of that in my, my time over here at least. Um, like my time, I didn't get to them, I guess the front line until I got with my with chosen company uh, as it was but since being here I haven't seen any evidence of that I haven't come against uh, Wagner um, yet it's just been like 
DPR, um, Russian Marines as well. As far as I know, no Wagner that I've seen, which are, you know, who are horrendous for the war crimes as well. Of course, other Russian units are too, but since being here, I haven't seen it myself, but there's plenty of blokes who I've, who are, I'm with who have you know, seen that uh, shit, unfortunately. Yeah. And what about on uh, the Ukrainian side? You know, it's not, um, it's not beyond me that we do see videos too of executions of prisoners and some things that, mm. I guess, make your skin crawl. Have you had any experience with some of that as, you know, coming from a, a very professional military like the Australian Army that you really think, oh, fuck, they, this isn't the right thing to be doing? No, I haven't seen any of that stuff. I haven't this, I haven't uh, experienced anything from Ukrainians that have made me thought, oh, like, should I really be here? Same with, like, my experience with the Russians. I haven't seen any of it from the Yuki side of it as well, which is, you know, which is good. Mm. <clears throat> no, that 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 is good. How, how do you make of, um, you know, you you and I both know that militaries and you know, they attract some pretty fucking oddball dudes. And, you know, you and I probably both know from our service guys who you'd be like, you're a fucking skinhead just with a, with a different haircut um, yeah. that exists everywhere. But, of course, this is more prevalent uh, in mm-hmm. Ukraine, as we know. You know, the Australian Army doesn't have units that are based on ideology, um, except maybe like CISB on, you know, not being as good as the infantry, but you fucking <laughs> you gotta gotta stab no, the truck drivers and, and support where we can. But um but but how do how do you make of of that? So of like the of the foreigners here in with that sort um, of well, actually, ideology? Oh, probably of both. Of the ideology itself, um we have got these like sort of um ultra nationalist units, but also mm. yeah, the there are definitely, I believe, and you can probably speak on this more um, foreigners who do go across because they align more with that ideology there as well. Um, I do have I, not even a handful of mates. Probably could, don't even like, think I can have one hand, maybe two at most that I um, I know for a fact have that sort of ideology um, that have come over here, not mates as in Australians, but just, you know, foreigners, foreigner mates in general. But, um, but I've never really, you know, it's different to like people on the internet will, you know, scream Nazi at people who, you know, dis- disagree slightly with something they're saying. And, and there's a lot of like, you know, oh, it's everywhere, it's everywhere. But when I, I've never, oh, it's hard to explain my opinions on that sort of stuff. I just honestly just don't really care. It's all, a lot of it to me is just political dog shit and I just sort of sort of don't worry about it at all because it's not something I've even had to deal with here. And I've always just sort of laughed at, you know, oh, people are Nazis, people are communists or blah, blah, blah. I just, it honestly just isn't really of a concern to me and I don't really, I try to keep it out of my mind, yeah. whether that's a good or bad thing. But I know people are more politically inclined than most, but mate, I'm not brave enough for politics. So I've never really actually cared too much. I guess if that, if that answers your question, sorry, you might have to, I hope I answered that question. I'm not sure if I did. No, mate, you know, you, you did. It, it's, it's just interesting to hear about, cause I think everyone has a somewhat unique experience um, in Ukraine with, with this. Um, yep. And a lot of the units have definitely had a level of like maturity as well uh, and maturity might not be the right word but uh, maybe evolve over time um because mm. as people say the as of of what was in the earlier years and maybe at the beginning mm-hmm. of the war is not the as of that we see now and other units similarly to that um and you know it's a big country it's a oh, fucking quarter million people fighting the people just have different experiences everywhere man Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, a good, a good way of expressing how I feel is I would happily fight with with Azov because they're all bloody good fighters, d- despite what you know their ideal political ideologies were or are still somewhat inside it. Because you probably can never get rid of those sort of people um, from a unit that has that history. But if if I ever got the offer before coming here to fight with Azov, I I, I would have done it happily just because I know they 
they did the sort of things I wanted to in terms of combat and you know direct action stuff. So like that's how little I care about all these people screaming Nazi and right wing and it because it just it just doesn't matter to me here on the on the on the front line. <laughs> I don't give a fuck <laughs> what the skin color of a dude is or what he believes, as yeah. long as he saves me when I'm injured or fights beside me. I don't. <laughs> I just don't care. Yeah, and I guess that comes down to a little bit of there's no atheists in a fox in a foxhole. That it's you know oh, we're look, just I'll, the boys I'll, doing I'll, it. I haven't prayed to God once while getting shelled, <laughs> so I'll, yeah, I'll be the first. Yeah, mate, just just try some try, try some other um, denominations, just just in case you're wrong, just reel them off, God or Allah, just just, <laughs> yeah. just just in case, just bet all your chips in. Mate, the army taught us box reading. That works just fine. Yeah, <laughs> fuck, man. Uh, <laughs> And and with and so I know I have to ask some sort of um, you know, some pushy questions because you know I need to sort of push on some things. Yeah. In the Legion, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who have been in and out of the Legion currently there, and not and you do hear some very mixed reports. And like we've spoken about some other stuff, it's very mixed on how it goes. How's your experience been with I guess the treatment of soldiers? Um, the pay as well as like getting paid or not um as well as just any of the overall corruption because you do hear some very concerning bits and uh, me being back here not in the legion it's it's hard to get a picture of exactly what it's like because i'm hearing so much conflicting reports oh so the legion so i was part of the second battalion so you have like one two and three battalion then you have four which is i think the training sort of battalion right I was part of 2nd Battalion. Um, a lot of the like, dudes I'm with were part of that as well. And <clears throat> the my time there it just wasn't wasn't really good. The chain of command, although foreigners up until um, yeah, up until company level was foreigners, and then above that was Ukrainians. Um, yeah, it was for the most part pretty dog shit, man. Like. <sighs> I was surprised of how much of a correlation there was between the Australian army and the Legion here in terms of political correctness, um, doing just a dumb shit for the sake of doing dumb shit, pandering to the higher ups. It was, it, it just fucking, it just reminded me too much of the Australian army in that sense. And I just fucking, like a lot of us, we just sort of degraded, um, into, I guess madness and sort of Lord of the Flies, if you will. Um, and getting clarification on things like pay. Um, pay is a fucking big one over here. I, I don't know what it is, but I think it's just paperwork in general. It just, it would just be, we would get paid, but we would have to hassle people constantly for like, you know, is this the right amount of pay? Like, what are our benefits? Like what happens in injury? We did eventually get clarification, but that was after, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing to get this information told to us. Um, the employees in, in the second battalion that I were with are currently deployed and they're having a issue with their chain of command as well in terms of stealing pay um, right now. So that's, um, you know, I'm not, I'm shocked, but I'm not really surprised at that as well. So the Legion, is in the, has been a bit of a funny spot, I think, for a, a few months now. And it's it, every day it's looking less and less appealing, I think, especially for those who have been here and, you know, have no, like, are in the know of, of it all. Looking from the outside in, of course, you see the International Legion on social media posting and, you know, all the goodies, like, you know, every army does. They always post the good, not the bad. But there is... An inherent, a her- inherent, what do I call it? It's an inherent film of corruption um, in there that that just shouldn't be, but it it fucking is, unfortunately, and it it really degrades morale more than anything because you you know you want to be able to trust your chain of command here, especially in a an actual fucking war zone where you can go you go fight and may die or get injured and doing it under you know a unit such as the second battalion is isn't isn't a place where i'd ever want to go back to 
Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a common theme, um, people not getting paid, stealing pay. Um, I hear a lot of horror stories about, you know, guys winding up dead, um, you know, missions, people put on missions who might not want to participate, things like this. Um, of course, you know, I can only confirm that to people's word, but it does seem like a common theme um, through some of those some of those units. Yeah, um, it is. That sort of stuff is prevalent, but the one thing we sort of have to our advantage is that we can just leave whenever the fuck we want. Yeah. Um, we can just say, no, I'm not doing that. And, you know, they kick us out of a unit. Cool. At least I'll fight to die another day somewhere. I'm happy to do um, and that's one thing I can say is is probably the a big factor for foreigners here is that yeah we can just cancel contract and and leave and or or refuse to go on a mission if we deem like deem appropriate really that's that's probably that's the saving grace I would say for me and probably a lot of foreigners over here as well because you're not you know you're not you're not going to go to prison or get arrested or something like that at least it's recognised that hey we're we've come here to do this job and. Yeah, although you know we complain like soldiers do, we still want to get there and do do this shit. So if we're not being treated right, then we just won't fucking do it. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely fair enough. It's, it completely makes sense. Have you had much of a run in? I know at least very early in this conflict, the most prevalent thing that I saw of bloody Westerners um, in Ukraine was oh, me and the me and those guys referred to them as the fictional characters, but these like wannabe fucking warriors, these James Vazquez types that get around all the multicam, have never run a mile in their life and have fucking no idea. Is there still a lot of that? Are these like, who the fuck is this guy just here to take some Instagram photos and flog off? Oh, mate, as soon as this, until this war's done, they're going to be here in droves. They, they will never leave. There'll always be people to, you know, replace them. You cut off their, you cut off their, head of one snake and three more pop up like it's it'll be here until this war's done and probably afterwards as well you get these you know fucking larpers i guess is, a, is the best word for it, it is all around the the main even Lviv in plate carriers and go to fucking pubs and tell these not stories that other either other people's stories or stories they've just made up and it, just to get like a buck a lot of people over here Foreigners, unfortunately, to scam people just to gain money. Like it's it's everywhere, man. It's everywhere. Luckily, like luckily, well, with my guys, or at least it's not here. But um, the amount of times I've heard, oh, special forces sniper, ex Navy SEAL, some fucking dumb crap like that, <laughs> just have a laugh every time you fucking hear it now. Yeah, no, I've had plenty of that, man. I've got up for an interview somewhere, and this guy's been like, "Yeah, I'll this, I'll that." And I had one guy, I did a Freedom of Information Act through a friend from the States, and it came out this guy had done like three weeks at like basic in the Navy. Ugh, and he was telling yeah. me he was in like two and four SEAL teams, did all this shit. And I was just like, and as soon as I saw him, and you, you're the same, you can be like, this guy doesn't like, you're just like, this doesn't seem like a hitter. Like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, but there's so much money, man. Like, God, I've heard, I don't want to make any allegations, but I've heard James Vasquez had, like, a million dollars. Like, it's insane, man. Like, um, oh, God. But it is. Like, if you were just at a normal civvy, you you don't know what you're looking for. Like, you and I could look at an image and go, that guy, like, say, James, first thing I notice, his magazines are in Upside Down, and you're just like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, the bullets at the top. You're like, what? But, like, you don't see that, and these people have a few hundred thousand followers. They're wanting to do like, the right thing, and they're like, oh, I'll donate a $1,000, and it's just, mm-hmm. and there's so much of these dudes, men, and these guys just disappear off the radar at some point, and they're there. I know so many guys who I had met who were just there for, like, sex tourism in Kiev or Lviv. Like, it's just, fuck, man, these just wannabes. <laughs> it's it's fucked. Yeah, it's, unfortunately, war war sells, and once mm. people realise you can make uh, money off of it, they'll come in droves, and that's what they do, just come here to make money and sort of, um, I guess, gain fame that way is, is pretty much what I've seen. It's, it's all, all that, all about the fame and the money. Well, war is, mate, war is the most lucrative business that exists for everyone, for, you know, guys like uh, in the defence industries, media, 
like well this war saved saved mainstream media as the as <laughs> Trump got kicked out of power they got saved then by the Rona and then as Rona ended Putin saved the mainstream media like all the guys that the mainstream hate has actually saved them because if they didn't have that what would they re- be reporting on um, it's, exactly. it's but it's always the scumbags um making a buck off the war and I'll include myself in this as well but at least I've done you know a lot of time in the country and whatever um of course and and the the people who deserve it you know the soldiers the those wounded the families who have lost everything they get fucking nothing like you know it's it, it, uh, sadly war is just like that man but it's it's fucking unfair when you've sort of peeled back the curtain isn't it it's terrible. It's just the unfortunate reality of it all, um, I suppose. And it's never going to – stuff like that is going to be around until fucking we go extinct, I suppose. It's, yeah. It's just the reality of it all. Well, we'll, we'll extinct ourselves. Well, you're sort of on yeah. the forefront of of this war, um, at least where, where you're operating. How do you see that the counteroffensive is going, if you could speak on that a bit? Uh, so at the beginning, when the you know the counter second counteroffensive was announced, I was in. I was always expecting it to be the sort of blitzkrieg like that first one was, but this one is you know more so a slow a slow push. The ground is being taken um, in you know a more direct way than it was before, but it's it's slowly moving forward um, in some areas, and obviously they're having better luck in some than others. But it, it is. It is pushing forward, but it is it is a grind, like which isn't a surprise. It's just it's just how it's going so far. It's just that slow push and gaining ground, small bits of ground um, with each each sort of operation. Mm. And do you think I know this is well beyond um, your and I pay grade, but do you think that is the best way to fight this or that blitzkrieg? Because I'm in your boat. That's what I thought we would see. Because I don't think personally, and I'm fucking limited. Um, in my um, sort of IMAP military um, planning, but the grinding method is what you don't want to do against an enemy like Russia who is willing to just throw men and equipment into into peril. That That isn't your tactic. You need to break through and outmanoeuvre um, mm. the enemy. Do you, do you see that we're just waiting for a breakthrough to break through that first line somewhere before we do more manoeuvre ops? Or is the capability there to to participate in large-scale manoeuvre operations? I don't think the capability is quite there until we get more of those Western vehicles, such as the Abrams. You would have seen the um, that assault down on the southern front, the Zaporizhia of the Leopards and the Bradleys, and they unfortunately got smoked. But I think that was that was due to poor, very, very poor planning on the Ukrainians' part there. Um, I think... I think... I think how it's going to look is it's going to be probably small, small probing assaults with this Western equipment until they can identify a suitable avenue of approach to then commit large force. So that's what I would predict would be the course of action for them. But whether they do that or not, I have no idea. They might just plan to continue this sort of way they're doing it now, the slow grind, or they may just be waiting for, you know, a key a key decisive event to sort of push through and, and hit them hard. I've, but only time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. And, and how long are you planning on being in Ukraine until? Um, <clears throat> I'd like to be here until the war's over, really, or we, or until Australia goes to war with China, either one. <laughs> oh, if that happens, I'll jump shit over and fight with my boys. But um, I would like to be here till, till it ends or until you know, I make it to a point where I just don't want to do it anymore. But right now, I want to stay and fight. Um, fight for the long haul till till it's over. Yeah, have you seen? Um, there's a meme from The Hangover where they're in like some shit box, like we're fu- we're fucking back, baby, we're back. And there's been memes <laughs> floating around like me and the boys in the RAR when Australia goes to war with China. <laughs> it's just all the boys back together, mate. If if that would be the only good thing to come out of a war of China for that short period of time before we get smoked. It'd be the best time ever, like reunion with all the boys. Oh, mate, it'd be what dreams are made of. We'll be unfit as fuck, but would be good. (laughs) (laughs) And It'd be a wild ride, I'd tell you that. Oh, yeah, fucking absolutely. 
Um, you know, you yourself, you know, in these sort of storm units going through um, defensive works, what do you make of um, the defensive build-ups that you've seen? Like, you know, the uh, you know, as a SECO, um, as both of us who have done um, PSYOS, which is a corporal's course in the military, you know we dig in on that course for fucking two weeks, if it is, um, and build up defensive positions. What what do you make of the positions? Are they are they decent? Are they well made? Or is it a bit here and there? The ones I've come up against um, so far have been nothing to really write home about. But, you know, further along, um, deeper into the Russian territory, we see a lot of well, well-built um, fortifications, kilometres long of trench line, um, dragon's teeth, obstacles. Um, so they do have that. Obviously, there is capability in the means, but it's from what I, in my area at least, it's far deeper into the Russian territory that they've got that. Um, but the ones I've come up against really, you know, are just positions that have been battered for, you know, months and months and months, and they haven't had time to, the, the ability to, bring up and you know re-fortify and repair these spots so if they were in good repair then they've since then been hit with enough idf to you know not not so much provide no protection but to you know degrade the quality of the positions yeah yeah to soften it up to i guess assault from there yeah and what is it you think is having the biggest effect in at least in your AO? Is it the artillery, the drones? Is there something is there anything that really surprised you about this conflict? Um <clears throat> I think for us it's our especially against the um DPR and the Russian penal battalions, it's our ability to actually push and maneuver because they're not used to it. They're used to just holding the line, exchanging fire and probing for artillery. But once they get hit and see that, oh we've got fucking three Humvees rolling up on us with a bunch of crazy cunts in the back, they run. Mm. They uh, Some of the units just get up and fucking run and leave their dead. Yeah. So and, they're, not, yeah. they're just not used to those like hard-hitting you know, tactics of just getting absolutely swamped with dudes to take that position. Mm. Well, but as we know, th- those, um, those sort of manoeuvres are much more advanced warfare and that that's the the benefit um a well trained army has is they can actually do like you know what it's like when you you at Kapuka, like our basic training you're doing those sort of up the guts assault you know exchange of fire mm-hmm. and then as you become a more and more um competent soldier you start into that maneuver style warfare at um is 3 RAR um your bushmasters mobilized um no um Bloody the good old M113s, mate. Oh, so you're mechanised as well. Oh, fuck. Seven's yep. mech as well. I must be thinking of someone else. But but you know what it's like. You start off, you know, mech shit assault, and then you're doing legitimate manoeuvre assault. And if you don't know what's happening, next thing you're getting flanked and it's up your ass. Like, yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, like it, one of the one of the assaults I did, we hit them from the rear. So we actually swung around and hit them from behind their trench. And, you know, they've got no fucking firing positions back there. And we just fucking swamped into one of the entrances and and cleared the position so yeah. like just small things like that is the being able to you know hit it hit them from an angle which they just don't expect or think we'd be too crazy to do and then they're just like oh shit well what the fuck do we do yeah and there's a video of you that's gone somewhat viral can you talk about that because <laughs> that that's going to be the yeah. opening to this um to this, this is how I'm cr- going to promote this podcast as well, because <laughs> it is the yeah, single um, most fucking Aussie thing in the world. <laughs> mate, I don't know if you've seen the comments on the videos, but people can't decide whether I'm Australian, Kiwi, British, American. I'm every nationality you can think of, mate. I, I don't know how. Like, I've seen people being like, oh, he's, a, he's American. I'm like, what? Like, if you say the C word <laughs> to an American, they almost bloody drop dead and it's like the thickest Aussie <laughs> accent in the world I'm like I'm like what the fuck are you guys on about yeah I know trust me it's been a it's been a good laugh to see it all and people arguing about it it's, it's good for my morale it's brilliant it's brilliant mate can you tell us about that assault uh yeah so that was um that was the uh assault I just mentioned um we hit him we approached him from the side and swung around to the rear and we <clears throat> had the uh, Humvees with the 50s and we were on the back of a transport one and we dismounted and 
you know, infills into the trench system and cleared it. Um, and bloody, there was no Russians in there. They had left as we pulled up. There were a couple of dead, but unfortunately there were no, um, well, I guess fortunately for us, there, were no, there was no uh, hard resistance there to go up against. So we all came that, out of that okay. Um, but yeah, we sort of just got in there, cleared the trench, held it, and then got relieved um, a few hours later by the TDF. Right. And I guess, where do you see this war, and really yourself, where do you see this in the next couple of weeks for yourself? Is it more ops? Is it, um, um, I know you can't give anything away, be, but. Um, yeah, it probably, it's usually like every, every, oh, I probably can't, probably can't give that information, but it'll, it'll just be more, more, more of that same stuff really mm. in the, in like the, the, in the future. This is how we, the tempo is quite, it's not. Not stale, but like you know, we 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 do enough. Yep. And how has the casualties been on the Ukrainian side? Um, they do. They do take quite, I guess, relatively heavy casualties at times. But it's all it's just all from the, all from IDF. It's just people rarely get shot. It's just all bloody mortars and artillery and and drones even just seeing them drop bombs uh, from like 30, 40 metres up in the air. Mm. It's just a lot of what the casualties are from. But it is, it is you know, every, every op will yield some like a, some casualties in one way or another. Yeah. And how's the Medivac for that? Um, so it's not to the, obviously, the, we have the golden hour back in the Afghan days of, you know, you're injured and you're pretty well guaranteed to get out of there within that hour. Um, but over here, it's it's a lot of you know self care and having having these medic guys or CLSs as we call them, which are equivalent to CFAs, um, in these teams is is pretty much the difference between life or death. We train on T Triple C as best we can, but we need these sort of medics to help administer drugs and that further care in the field, where we can wait for a, the opportune moment to you know bring in medivac or or more likely take them to the casualty collection point to actually get medevaced. Um, but it's, you know, medevac here is, you know, hit and miss because it all depends on the enemy, whether they're taking artillery fire and if it's safe enough for them actually to get up to a relatively close position to get our blokes out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that a lot of, a lot of people I speak to, I think have this um, somewhat opinion. You can speak more to this than I, but is they sort of come expecting the same standard as a Western military. Like, this isn't the Australian or the British or the Yanks. This, this isn't that. Um, nor is this Afghan war. Um, this is a legitimate near-peer conventional conflict in um, an Eastern European country with a, with a lot of issues in it as well. Um, You've and it's sort of that you've joined this conflict. It didn't join you. Like you can fuck off mm -hmm. if you're not happy with it, but you can't expect yep. rose petals on the fucking bed as you lie down every night. <laughs> no, exactly. Like um, it's it's one thing I did make sure I I knew coming over here and like you know accepted was that the you know whole you know Kazakh and you know the chance of getting um taken out if you're injured is you know it's it's to such a lower extent to then you know other professional militaries and but the the yukis they they've pretty much always come in clutch when it comes to us they they care about us and they want to help us survive and we've been blessed with um these bloody warriors over here who have put their lives on the line just to help like their mates and our mates get out of the danger zone so we can you know live yeah and that's that's what it that's what it, the big thing what it comes down to is just those those people on the ground the medical staff actually coming in and you know helping out um, is, is made the big difference. Mm. Oh, mate, yeah, for sure. And and I know this is an insensitive question, but I have to put my journalist hat on, not a mate hat. Have you lost any mates while being there? Um, yeah, unfortunately, um, I have. Um, I'm not going to say like who or at what time or where, but uh, yeah, um, I have, and it's. It it sucks. It sucks. It really does because you you bond with these blokes and you you know you fucking 
you know, want to see them all live, but it's just war, I suppose. Like it's, it's just something you have to accept and it won't ever get easier as it goes on, but you know, you'll deal with it and deal, deal with it um, differently each time. Yeah. And what is it that you think, you probably see Twitter and Telegram and even even my own stuff, what is it that you think that the media, being both official media and social media, get wrong? What what do we keep getting wrong about this war? Um, oh, geez, what would it be? Um, I don't really watch, t- I don't really even watch mainstream media, so I can't really speed too much on those vlogs and what they would bloody get wrong. Um, I don't know, like the journalists on the ground, like yourself, you usually, like, you, you get it right. You have a realistic approach to it and, you know, you, you try and get the most unbiased um, sort of for the people back home to sort of see the reality of it all. And I don't know, I, I haven't seen too much of like blokes like you, I don't even think I've seen him really get it wrong. If if I have, honestly, I'm sorry, it doesn't come to nothing's popping the head. But um, yeah, I don't really think I really even answered that. Sorry. No, no, mate. I I sort of put you on the on the spot um, with that one. I apologise. It was it was just no, yeah. Because yeah, some people are like, oh, the media always get the yeah, savagery of the Russians or that people don't understand that it's the artillery, not the gun fighting or, you know, or we're not having this win here or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <clears throat> I suppose one thing that's, I guess, in the mainstream media is big is, I guess, all the, the brutality of like one side. Cause you know, you hear people love to focus on the bad, not the good, but like, at least in my experience, I haven't seen, you know, these, these, things and these these monstrosities that um the media has published and reported on but you know at the same time my experiences are anecdotal so i've already I've, what i've experienced is going to be completely different to the uh, blokes to another battalion or another ao so it's it's just really i could only really you know talk about what I've experienced and what some close mates have, I suppose. Mm, no, mate, I um, I really appreciate all your honesty and, and talking to me. Is, is there anything you think that we should have talked about that we haven't in this? Um, I, I guess a lot of, I don't know, I just want to, I just like to put forward the bloody uh, Anzac spirit that the Aussies bring over here with them when they come over to <laughs> this bloody uh, country, we I know the other Aussies here. That I've, I, yeah, I've, I've fought with a bloody, you know, the same kind of dudes that I've um, been with back home. Like they, I could bloody units, mate. I love them all, and especially my other foreigner brothers here as well. We all, you know, it's it's interesting to mix with people from different militaries and different backgrounds and cultures, and just you know, f- do the same fight. It's just like you know, a lot of every other military, you get through some all types of backgrounds and. You're just in it to win it, really, and just hit them hard. That's yeah. what's all. That's what it's all about for me, mate. I'm glad to see that that um, that Anzac spirit um, in the Aussies is still alive. No ways, mate. It can never die. That um, flame will never dis- extinguish. Mate, the Aussies love a fucking scrap. It's been um, it's been <laughs> everywhere. No, I think I saw that you have um, a famous Ned Ned Kelly quote on your signal as well. <laughs> yeah, it's such is life, mate. Yeah, I've got I've got a Ned <laughs> Kelly tattoo, mate. <laughs> Oh, beautiful! And for those who don't know, come for the silver later. Yeah, hey. if I was going to say for those who don't know, Ned Kelly was what the Australians call a bush ranger, which is I don't even know the best way to put it. Almost like a Robin Hood had a big shootout with the police against corruption and all this shit, um, wearing a suit of armor back in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> and his last words yes. before they hung him or hanged him um, was such as life. <laughs> yeah, words to live by, I suppose. <laughs> Fucking oath, mate. Well. Look, fucking, what did I call you at the start? Dave? Um, yeah, mate. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to come up with it then. Um, mate, look, I really appreciate your time um, reaching out to me. And, I, I, and from a personal note, mate, I really appreciate your support um, of me well before this war um, when I was going through my own yeah, little, earth, little war of the fucking tumour in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mate, it's, it's one you're going to win, I'm sure, about it. How's that all going, by the way? Uh, I don't actually know because I have so many months between um, – 
between scans. Um, I'm a lot mm. further away from chemotherapy than they thought. Like, I'm four or five years off chemo now, and they're like, holy shit, we oh, haven't good. seen anything. That's, like, amazing news. Um, seems yeah. I was given five to seven years in 2018. Um, well, if one doctor said that, and most doctors won't give a range, but he did. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm up at the upper of that, and there's only been some slight growth. Um, so it's nerve-wracking every time I go for the scan because at some point the scan's going to be yeah. like, yeah, mate, you're fucked, and there's fuck all they can do. <laughs> but, um, you know, mate, it's the Aussie boys, mate. It's, you know, the, the best thing for me, and you've, you've probably heard this before, but I was diagnosed on my 22nd birthday, and the seven RAR lads who were holding a surprise party for me changed it from happy birthday to um, Willie's death party. And I was had, I, mate, I had dried tears on my face. I came from the oncology clinic um, from the diagnosis to walk into a surprise party for Willie's death party. And it was like ripping off a Band-Aid, bro. I, I don't suggest you do this for any of your mates who got diagnosed um, with, with any tumours or anything, but it for me, man, and that Aussie sort of grunt fucking attitude it was like yeah they the boys don't give a fuck like the boys are like we don't care if you're tumor willy corporal willy we don't give a shit you're just willy you know one of the boys and that, that did so much for me man yeah dude it's, it's that morbid humor that um honestly saves saves you it yeah it works just as well here too it's just we always joke about dying you know losing a leg or something like that it's, it's just you know you just have a laugh about it because you know we all know it's the it's the reality. It, it fucking saves you. It, it keep it keeps you. It, it obviously it honestly improves your mental state. You know, just just having a laugh about fucking everything. Yeah. Oh, mate, it's 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 the best thing you can do. And whether it's the boys in the trenches there speaking Ukrainian or Russian, or the boys back in the world wars, it would have been the exact same. Oh, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Well, mate, look look after yourself. Um, It'd be great to catch up and do another chat um, further down the line. It'd be fucking yeah, it'd be sick. Bloody oath, I'm yeah, always keen as long as I uh, make it that far. Eh? Hey, you'll, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure one of us will fucking make it. As you still could outlive me. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, keep keep looking after yourself, you, mate. mate. No, fucking I'm fucking glad you too. Well, dude. No, bro, fuck you too. Um, and if any of your lads want to have a chat or you any time, like it's it's open, mate. It's open door policy on um coming out, come and have a yarn. You can say and do whatever you want. I don't I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, bloody earth, man. Well, keep in touch for sure, dude. Easy, dude. Righto, I'll um I'll message you after this. Alright, no dramas, mate. I'll catch you around. Okay, thanks, brother. Bye bye. Right, see ya. <laughs>